Hi, everyone. This is Ann Doherty, your host of Current, an energy podcast by Illum Advising. We are having a special podcast today where we have about an hour-long conversation with my friends, Yvette, Cynthia, and Vera, to celebrate Pride Month and to talk about pride in leadership. You will hear their individual leadership stories, what it means to show up as an LGBTQ plus leader in their organizations, and all of the really many ways that leadership, being out, serving as an advocate, creates meaningful connections, not only in your organization, but throughout your community. I'm so excited for you to hear from them and to hear their stories, so I won't belabor this introduction and let them introduce themselves. Well, I'll go ahead and get started first by thanking you all for being here. I'm so excited to have you. One, because we get to represent Tucson and leadership that is Tucson-based, which I feel personally really excited about, but also because I admire each of you so much as individuals and as leaders. And so I'm just thrilled to have this conversation. So I was thinking rather than me going through formal introductions of you all, um, I would love for y'all to introduce yourselves. So I'm going to go like Hollywood Square style and ask you to introduce yourself. So I'll start with you, Cynthia, and then we'll go Yvette and Vera. All right. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for having us. I am with UNS Energy, Tucson Electric Power, uh, which also is the parent company of uh, two major utilities in the in the state of Arizona. I am the Chief Information Officer and Vice President of Engineering and Corporate Safety. I've been at the company 23 years, have a vast array of of experiences that I'm so grateful for throughout the organization, mostly on the operation side. So the majority of my career has been in the operating units and uh, out in the world. So happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And Yvette. Tell us about yourself. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Yvette Jackson. I'm the executive director for Devro Advanced Behavioral Health in Arizona. We're a national behavioral health not-for-profit organization. Um, like Cynthia, I've been with the company over 20 years, so we're one of those rare folks these days that stay stay in one place for a long time. Um, I've been having that conversation uh, quite frequently these days. I like drive in the same office for 20 years and who does that anymore? Yeah, so I oversee our operation here in Arizona, which is in Tucson and also in Phoenix, and then interface nationally with you know our C-suite and other executive directors and other um, centers and, and states. And we're located in 13 states across the country. Yeah. yeah, we're excited to have you. Welcome back. This is round two for you with us. Um, yeah, folks um, who paid attention to our webinar series during the pandemic that um, graciously joined us to talk about access to broadband when that really hit and we were all scrambling to figure out how to get our kids educated. So, yeah. All right, Vera. You want to Hi. Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, I always, um, I feel a little weird leading with the things I do for business because it's just not what features, like it's not my top priority. So first and foremost, I'm a human. I love being a bird nerd and reading books and connecting with people, but I'm a small business owner. My company is called Southwest Solutions. It's a family business and I'm the second generation owner. And in the free time that I swear every day I will find, I also run the Tucson LGBT Chamber of Commerce, which is a really beautiful way to build community in, in Tucson. 
in a different way. Cool. Welcome. I'm excited to have you. Cynthia, I will say, um, specifically requested that we add you to this as an up-and-coming leader in the space and a leader in the LGBTQ community in Tucson. So we're really excited to have you join. Thank you. Yeah. I also love that you started with birding. We have like a whole team of folks here one day that you can meet with and totally geek out on the birding topic. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For real. I'm not exaggerating. It's a thing. So I want to just start by kind of opening up with a general question and then we can just, you know, engage in dialogue together. So as y'all know, um, we invited you here because you are out queer folk in community and in business. And uh, we really wanted to represent what it means to take pride in leadership and to sort of carry your pride with you in leadership through this podcast and in a way uh, to celebrate Pride Month. So this is our company's sort of celebration. And what better way to do that than to hear your stories and hear your experiences. So with that, I want to start with kind of a like a bigger picture question, and then we'll see if it warms us up and feel free to jump in and ask more questions. But how has your experience as an LGBTQ person impacted the way that you lead? So it's kind of a big one, but I'll let whomever wants to jump in and take a first whack at that, do it. I'll, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll throw myself into the ring here. Uh, you know, it's, it is a big question. And uh, certainly all of our life experiences, especially when we think about all of the aspects of the diversity we each one of us brings to the table, um, as well as our just our lived experiences, it affects it affects us deeply. And so when I thought about, okay, how do I carve out the piece that is this identity of, um, of queer or gay? And uh, you know, there, there are elements that certainly overlap with other aspects of my diversity. I'm going to say, um, I like to think of myself as uh, gay is my superpower. Right. And being gay allows me to be, you know, that even more unique in a space where I'm already pretty, uh, uh, speaking of birds, I'm a rare bird, as it turns out in the utility industry. I, I never really, you know, fully acknowledged and embraced it entirely, but it's, it's from the feedback that I get from other people, why it matters so much, why that visibility of that difference matters so much. Certainly, I can say that I am much more resilient because I am gay, I can say that I'm um, absolutely much more inclusive. When I think about the experiences as a gay person moving throughout the world, I can recognize in my teams, I can recognize in our customers, I can recognize in uh, other leadership conversations where it matters and where that visibility and that strength uh, really comes through. So that's that's kind of how I've been thinking about it for these last few days. Yeah. I love the rare bird thing. And I want to talk more about uh, sort of the multiple identities that you bring to the workplace too, as we get into this conversation. I also think like what you said about superpower, right? You, you see it as a strength versus a deficit. And, and I know that that, for me, that, that was a progression. You know, if you look at this long career, like to get where I am now from where I was, was a progression of bringing out your own authentic self in the workplace, right? And then bringing your own authentic self as a leader. So I think that what you were saying too about it turning it in. I don't know if it it started as a superpower, but I think it turned into one, yes, right? Absolutely. I couldn't say like it became one at some point. And then it was like, how are you going to use that for the greater good for the greater good? <laughs> there are capes yeah. everywhere yeah. in this podcast. The whole thing. But like that, it was like, how do you take that and use it for the greater good? And it, and, and at some point there was like this moment of representation matters, like Cynthia, like there's a whole bunch of intersections there. 
And when you get some power and influence, how can you start to use this as a as a good? And people are watching you. And I think that also that progression as a leader, as a as an employee, first of all, um, becoming more authentic in the workplace, and then becoming a leader, you become a more authentic leader, and people hold you to that. And I think that, and I'm you know, I'm holding the organization to that as well. You yeah. profess all of these things, yeah. well. I'm going to make you prove that that's true. And like, I'm getting stronger as I'm growing as a human being. And then that's when the leadership piece begins to kind of poke through, I think. Yeah. I really love that. I think that hearing you talk so much about authenticity, all I, I feel like one of the ways that, one of the things that gets left out of the conversation in the business sense that I think ties directly into authenticity is, I don't know, traditionally speaking, like the heart doesn't have a place in business, right? Business is all up here. But I feel like as a queer leader, I mean, just as a queer human being, I'm out here in the world fighting for my right to have what's happening in my heart be accepted, right? It's heart first. And I think that's how it impacts me as a leader, because it reminds me all the time to lead with my heart. You know, the brain will happen. The brain comes in business all the time. But if I start here and I let that lead the connections, you know, either with my teammates, my colleagues, um, new customers, it has, it has genuinely never led me wrong to start with my heart. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely, absolutely true, Vera. I, I really love that. When we talk about heart forward conversations, you know, especially when we think about the work that we do affects our communities. And the work that we do is about the people that we serve. And it is about not just servant leadership, but service above self and the importance of the, the service that we provide. It affects the lives of people every day. I mean, this podcast would not be possible, right? Without XYZ, you can add in uh, the energy, the energy provider in there. But it's our people that is our superpower. That's our superpower at UNS. That's our superpower at TEP at UES. It's our people. And it really is leading heart forward and moving um, through decisions, moving through difficult, difficult situations. We have very serious, it's a high consequence, um, high risk industry. And we have to, on the daily, consider the people and consider the heart. You're absolutely right. I love hearing that there's space for that in a utility company, like <laughs> and an engineer, no less. Yeah. I'm married to an engineer. So I give engineers a really hard time on the regular. Yeah, I can't, I can't are take a credit. Bird. Yeah, and I can't take credit for being an engineer. I'm actually, um, I come from the financial side of the, of the house and, but the analytical mindset, you're spot on. Yeah. The entire company is very much about analytics. And I can tell you, Yvette touched upon it earlier. Um, that superpower piece wasn't always there. I mean, 20 years ago, this was a different company and the culture was, was very different. The industry was different. You know, the external world was, was very different. Um, so, you know, kind of thinking through what it is that's brought, that has brought us to today. Um, I'm just thrilled with um, how UNS and how TEB has really embraced um, a, a new world and the culture and this culture of inclusion, this culture of belonging is so important here at TEP. Mm -hmm. You really see it in the community too, Cynthia, you know, um, when TEP rolls their truck into the pride parade or sponsors events like the Alliance funds, um, annual fundraiser, it's really felt, 
you know, and in this moment, you know, not something to take for granted is we're starting to see a lot of corporate skittishness around supporting queer community. You know, as you all reflect on your stories, one of the things that I was thinking about with my own was related to heart, which is that I, you know, I didn't really start telling my story until I had to start advocating for my people. And it's not because I didn't want to tell my story. I just have a complicated story. It's a strange lead in, you know, I'm queer identified woman in a seemingly straight relationship, married to a trans man, not really like the extended conversation you have in a casual meeting with a colleague, right? But I remember we were, as a company, initiating uh, a diversity, equity, and inclusion survey, and we were asking people to give up a lot of information about themselves, how they identified, you know, in terms of race, gender, uh, sexual orientation, all of the things. And I was like, well, I need to let them know that they're safe with me, that I have had experiences in my life where disclosing this information has harmed me in the workplace, and that I'm very mindful of not doing that to them. And it was the way that I was able to sort of start bringing my story into conversation with my team. And that was, you know, early days of Loom. But I remember the moment I sent that email out thinking, well, here we go, you know, because I would, you know, talk to people about being queer, but never people, folks never really knew what that meant or what that meant specifically in like my current version of it. Right. I'm sure Um, that was so powerful for them to receive your story like that. Like I can just imagine being an employee and having the leader of the company share in that way. That had to be extraordinary. It was, I, you know, I don't know. I just remember like having, do you ever have that vulnerability hangover? Yes. Where it's like, man, I just put myself out there and I'm going to go sit here and have all my feelings, yeah. you know, and really like engage um, with what I just did and think through like what it meant for me to do that. But it, But taking that initial step to have that conversation sort of publicly, if you will, really empowered me to start pursuing things more broadly and also more broadly for my team. You know, maybe we wouldn't have if I didn't feel compelled to share that. But the reason I'm sort of sharing my story is because I have a question for y'all kind of relatedly. Like, Was there a moment in your careers where you had this feeling like, this is my time to step up. I need to represent. And what was that moment like for you? And how did you feel going through that? I have a very, very distinct moment. We're in behavioral health. You know, we're in 13 states. And at this point, you know, it was that, hey, you know, there's all of this, the mental health concerns and some of the concerns within the LGBT community, there are problems to, to be interfacing with and interacting with as a behavioral health organization. You know, the rates of suicide, the rates of substance use. It was, I, I, in terms of looking at the disparities that were there, I was in a space where I was really like kind of attuned into that. And I went to, to train and really challenge our C-suite. And I flew out to Pennsylvania to basically share this at like 90 minutes on this big agenda with, you know, 40 execs. And I remember being on the plane and being, this is my make or break moment, um, but I'm doing it anyway. And was in this space and, and made my case of like, we need to be paying better attention to this. This is why, you know, put kind of went through the data, made the case that we have to step up better as an organization because this is our issue. And it's not an issue for, you know, LGBT centers to try to solve. It's for our community as a behavioral health providers and mental health providers to do better and create these welcoming spaces and do better in terms of best practices and things like that for, for our community, our LGBT community. 
And I'm like, either they're going to go, okay, that's Yvette's issue and I'm going to go home, yeah. or they're going to actually embrace the fact that it's our issue and we're going to do something about it. And I remember this moment of, like I said, on the plane to Pennsylvania, like, is my make or break? I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I'm either, I'm either done or I'm going to like catapult. And, um, and I remember our CEO at the time, and you never know who's in the room, there was like this side talking happening, right, in this meeting. Some people are like, oh, you know, whatever. And I remember he says, Yvette, hold on. And he turns around and he says, I'm interested in this. Mm. Oh, I, my God, that just gave me goosebumps. I know. It's incredible. The CEO, I'm like completely, and he's, I need to understand this better. Please, please be quiet and turn to the group. And I'm like, I just got validated. This whole issue just got validated. And all of these leaders that are C-suite are like, oh my gosh. And from them forth, everyone's like paying attention, writing notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, that was the moment to turn, to learn later, to learn later, years later, that his son was gay and was coming out at the time. Uh, and so this is why he's like, I need to learn this. And I did not know that at the time, but no, neither did anybody else. But yeah. as we talked about it later, that was that was almost like this connection to your point that had happened between me and him without even knowing that. And yeah. from then on, he would, he sponsored and endorsed me for the rest of my career until he retired. And he actually, when he retired said, you know, we were at the HRC and there was an event, we were getting an award for the organization. And he cried when he left and he said, that was my proudest moment as CEO. Yeah. That's oh very cool. So the courage to do that in front of that and take that moment turned into this, like I said, it's either catapult or a, get out of here. It was so much bigger than even, I respect what you're saying and we're gonna try and do something. It was like, fast forward that because he completely endorsed everything because he was having his experience as well. So we have, I think when you say be authentic, like it is a risk, but it can, you know, if you don't take the risk, you're not gonna get the reward. Right. And so, yeah. you know, and then there was also like, you had an organization that was kind of professing and I'm like, and if you're not gonna do it, then I'm gonna just keep holding you accountable little by little until you know we get there so that's my moment wow that, that's that's so amazing and how i mean i i love what you said he was having his own experience and that he had that courage mm -hmm. to speak his mind and uh put himself front and center like that as well with you mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i feel like it would have been really easy to make a lot of assumptions too yeah. about you know the man who's the ceo and mm -hmm. that that really reinforces for me one of one of the things that keeps me going, which is to lean into the conversations with people who don't necessarily seem like they might be part of the gay agenda right away. <laughs> no, I'm going to talk to them anyway. <laughs> and if it turns out they're horrible, I'm walking away because I have boundaries. However, yeah. I think being visible and having the conversations with people who you don't fully align with, right? it's, it's so important because you never know when the moments like that are going to happen. Yeah. Right. It goes back to my favorite Ted Lasso saying of be curious, not judgmental. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, that one, it just resonates so clearly because we, we have to be able to invite those conversations. And, you know, I think about, like I mentioned earlier, 20 years ago, what this company looked like and where we are today, you know, there are, there are 10 locations across the state and many of them are rural communities and they can't be left out, right, of this conversation because of any kind of preconceived ideas of, of what they may or may not um, think or believe. And I've seen some incredible moments. I've seen some incredible stories shared in those rural communities that do help um, reinforce the support for, for queer rights, for LGBTQ plus rights. 
And, you know, even in the, in the mid 2000s, when we started our first employee resource group uh, for the LGBTQ plus employees, it was about uh, domestic partner and equal benefits. It was, you know, we weren't in the place where the company was anywhere near talking about it. It wasn't even in our policies yet at that yeah. point. And so to kind of take these baby steps and baby steps and, you know, meet with the VPs at the time, you know, that long ago to talk about these, um, these challenges and these inequities. Um, it was five of us, you know, coming to the table to have the conversation. And there's still one other person here who is in that conversation with me. Um, and then now, you know, to look forward and see all of the conversation that we're having. As a matter of fact, last year, um, we presented to the board of directors. We had our LGBTQ plus resource group come in and speak to the board and share stories and you know, we have a wonderful production team that helped us record some some uh, some beautiful images, and the there were tears at the end of that conversation from board members. And then, but I'll I'll never forget it. After the meeting, one of the executive assistants that was kind of in the background helping to kind of manage the meeting came up to me and whispered in my ear how life changing it was for her. She says, "I've waited thirty years for this," wow. and tears were running down her face when she talked about. She says, finally, she says, thank you so much for bringing this conversation forward. And I said, hey, this is, this is a team effort here. It's everybody kind of doing their part, but it's, it, uh, you know, you, you don't know what that visibility does until you have those small moments um, like that. Y'all yeah. are going to make me cry. That's the second time <laughs> in this podcast already that I've had to hold back tears. I feel so grateful to be hearing about these stories and that folks like you know, all of y'all have been doing this work for as long as you have. Yeah, It's a different experience. And I'd love to hear how that, you know, I'd love to hear about your experience in that way, but I'm just yeah. reflecting briefly as a slightly younger person um, in a business that I co-own with my parents, you know, I feel bubble wrapped. <laughs> like I exist in spaces that are less hard, but they are less hard because of the work that has been done before I was around and it's that's very emotional thank you both all everybody it's just amazing that's all right Vera I'm over here also trying not to cry so I'm <laughs> laughing and then I told y'all earlier I did a hard workout so I'm raspy too so I've got that like cry slash cardio rasp situation going on so it's you know interesting you know uh my situation is so unique in the sense that I feel like in a way I, I you know I came out pretty young I was in college and that was actually sort of a second coming out for me and then Eric and I met after I'd been in a relationship with a woman for a while and Eric had this was in like the early 2000s Eric had already transitioned and so this was like well before trans conversations were anywhere near being mainstream and we, as a family, have always been really out and very um, forward with our identities, but it was very difficult for me always in workspaces to have that conversation because people didn't have like the, like a modicum of knowledge, right? Like it was just like this, <laughs> like total, complete lack of understanding of, um, of what that meant. And, and then they'd be even more confused after they met him and then how my re identity related. And so it was always just like, as I said, this like very, you know, very long conversation. But I remember being approached by a director of a, a film series called The Devotion Project, where they featured different types of LGBTQ relationships in these shorts that sort of um, illustrated their relationships and their love for one another. And this was like in... 
don't know, 2010 or something. And I remember um, saying in that film, like, uh, nobody talks about us, like our stories aren't represented, our stories aren't even on folks' radar. So insofar as we don't have rights, it's because people don't know we exist. Like they don't know families like ours show up in the world looking like we do. And Laverne Cox at the scene, like, you know, a year later and the, the world changed. That the conversation around trans identities completely changed. And now we're in a moment where the conversation is has led to a place where, you know, there are states we won't travel to because Eric can't use the bathroom in places, right? I mean, these are like very real realities. And um, it's just been interesting to live through this moment of um, disclosure and safety and having conversations as the political world around us keeps changing. And so as a leader, I feel really compelled to just keep having the conversation and also to, in some ways, quite honestly, normalize the experience of families like ours and normalize the experience of um, identities like ours. So it it's sort of, I mean, it's very much about rights, but in some ways, I think with my story, it, I'm at the place where folks were maybe 20 years ago around um, lesbian and gay rights, right? Like, hey, we're just people. You know, or just normal people. So, you know, trying to have that voice in um, work is really important. But I remember when that documentary dropped, I was terrified for what it might mean for my career. Like, I thought, it's this is, we're going to see, you know, we'll see if people are ready for this conversation. And what ended up being for me was a real blessing around uh, being able to sort of intro my story through the vehicle of this little 10 minute documentary rather than having to like have that conversation myself. So in some ways it opened a lot of doors for conversation. And I haven't yet been proven wrong in my faith in people's ability to receive that conversation, or at least as far as I know, which is good. That was a very long-winded answer to your to your question, Vera. No, I loved it. I loved it. I feel like the, I don't have a, a moment. I feel like I'm in the moment and the moment is not one moment, it is many, you know? Yeah. My experiences, I don't fear in my career at all. You know, my parents are, I'm a co-owner. They're extremely supportive. This is a lovely environment. Everything is great and well and good. It impacts me, you know, on a daily basis when I meet new clients and I am have to consider, do I mention my wife or my partner and what kind of impact would this have to my business? But over the years, I've just leaned into that and decided, you know what, I don't, I don't want them anyway. I'm going to say yeah. it because if they walk good, I didn't want to talk to them anyway. And so I think because of that, I don't know, it's just a tremendous amount of safety. And because mm -hmm. I have that safe foundation, that's why I do the work that I do with the Gamer because, because I can be visible. People can hate me and feel types of ways about me because it doesn't matter because I'm not scared. So I'm going to go out there and talk to the people who need to be brought over to our rainbow dark side and, <laughs> you know, spread the good word. <laughs> yeah. There is so much, Vera, there's so much power in uh, building that kind of community, right? I mean, you're talking about it and I'm just thinking about um, for certainly how I see you out in the world and how I see you um, connecting and, and living your life, you know, living a life of courage. And you know, I, I, I think about 20 years ago to now, and a lot of that strength that we talk about in ourselves does come from that feedback and that work in the community. For me, uh, starting in, I think I started in Tucson politics way back 
when our congressman was first being elected. And uh, that kind of service to the community helped me to connect in a different way that I wasn't getting 20 years ago at this company, right? Because the culture was very different. So then uh, moving through politics, moving through uh, a couple of ballot measures. Remember when the no on 102, no on 107 ballot measures were around? I had the opportunity to work deeply into those uh, campaigns to fight those ballot measures. And then move into the nonprofit work with Wingspan, nonprofit work with Southern Arizona AIDS Foundation and a number of different organizations that really were fighting and advocating for our rights. That is what brought me so much strength and so much balance at a time when, you know, on the daily in the corporate corporate world, so to speak, it, it wasn't quite there, right? I needed that. And so what you're talking about just resonates so much with me because that is, uh, that's, that's such a strength and, and it's a two-way street, right? We're, we're creating that visibility, we're creating that movement, but also, uh, it's just filling our cup up so deeply. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like, I, I mean, I think, Anne, you mentioned the rainbow washing thing earlier. Maybe that was pre-recording, but I have a lot of mixed feelings around that because I think engaging through the business lens with and around the LGBTQ conversation, it's so powerful, not only because businesses have a platform, and in, you know, in the example I just gave, I have this sense of safety because I don't fear in my, in my job, in my business, but also because you get to know people, not just as the letter that they are in the alphabet mafia, you get to know a, a more well-rounded, you know, picture of who that person is. And I think that's what that holistic approach to human connection is, is the most powerful tool that we have in our toolbox. That's true. And, you know, um, one of the things that keeps coming forward in this for me is, as we're, you know, recording and recognizing that there are allies listening to this is just how much the voices that are surrounding us have an impact on the spaces that we occupy and how we feel in the spaces that we occupy, you know, like Cynthia, I know you've had many champions in your career and Yvette, you gave us a really clear story of someone who showed up for you in a deeply vulnerable moment when you were trying to take action. I've shared this story with folks before, um, but I had a pre-meeting connection with Yvette because when Eric and I moved to Arizona, we were looking to adopt. And I was calling all of these different organizations to try to find the most queer-friendly organization in Arizona for families like ours. And so I got connected through a friend who's faculty at Columbia, who connected me to HRC's, you know, like capacity trainer, who then said, you have to talk to Devereaux. You mm -hmm. have to talk to this organization because they're your people. They'll take care of you. And, you know, you imagine the vulnerability of like, deciding you want to have a kid, you as a queer person are subjecting yourself to the scrutiny of a public system. Lots of folks can relate to that experience, right? And moving to a new state. So we're like, how is this going to play? How are we going to be able to do this? And we got connected to one of your incredible um, social workers and she was just incredible. But what I learned once I actually met Yvette through our social circles is that it was your work that led to creating an environment that could receive me in my community. Wow in my new community. Yeah, okay. So the power in that. And so as you're telling your story that about that moment with your CEO, that moment mm -hmm. was also why you could receive me mm -hmm. in this. Community. That moment was the reason why. Yeah. 
it, you know, that moment was the catalyst to us being a leader in the space across the country. And so, and, and like you're saying, even outside of the organization, and it was like, you talk about leadership, not being in a leadership role or having that title, but for whatever the reason, and I can't pull it forward, but, you know, saying, I'm going to stand in front of these this organization and say, not as a C-suite person, not as a, you know, I'm not at the executive level that I am now, I'm probably at a senior level at that point, but just to say, I'm going to challenge us to do better and having, having the executive leader go, yeah, we're going to do better. And then saying, okay, we're going to change policies. We're going to change how we, we're going to become more welcoming and affirming, which is where we started. And it was just in our language and in our being more visible to the community as they come into our spaces and both in the administrative spaces and in our treatment spaces, you came in, you know, probably five years post that. And we're, we're, we're doing really well at that point. Like we're, we're beginning to lead. We're not beginning to catch up. We like sort of, we like fast forwarded through it and now we're leading. and, And it's so awesome to hear that outside of the organization, you're getting pointed to this organization. I've had that experience so many times yeah. that it is a, probably one of my proudest things. And it, it wasn't because I was saying something that was an out there. It wasn't my idea that mm-hmm. I was presenting. I was presenting what was out there, but I was, you know, um, championing that for whatever reason to, to, to the organization and, and they embraced it. And I think that the leadership credit goes to the leadership team for listening to their employees who are trying to say, see me, hear me and the people like me, and we can do better. And the people that were sitting facing me going, we agree. Yeah. yeah. It was and their it's... moment, not mine. Yeah. But yours too. Let's let's not take that away from you. Oh. But the these are like the tiny little acts of bravery that create both create community and create safety in workplaces that I think are really important, you know. Cynthia, did you have any experiences like that that you can think of in your time at TEP? Uh, Well, you know, I mean, I think my experiences are more around um, kind of that one-on-one, you know, outreach. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly I can think of a a story in particular years ago, there was, you know, one of those, you're in the office late night and maybe there's a couple of people here, maybe there's not. And so this, uh, the senior leader comes to my door knocks on my door and says, hey, he's kind of somber. He kind of comes in and he says, I'd really like to talk to you about something. And immediately I knew something was up, right? It's just, you get that kind of spidey sense. I don't know if that's a rainbow spidey sense or what it is, (laughs) but certainly, you know, he had, it was a very, very um, deeply personal conversation. I've talked to him many times about it since, but he came in to talk to me about his daughter Mm-hmm. And to tell me that, uh, you know, yes, that she had come out to them, to his wife and and uh, him about being gay. And we talked through, you know, uh, what that was like for him. He's a deeply devout religious man mm-hmm. and very active in his church. So this was part of the conversation, right, is, is what's the church's thinking on this and and all of these aspects. And he And he just shared with me such a beautiful, loving story in how he responded to how he and his wife responded to their daughter and took it a step further and then had a family meeting about it to ensure that the rest of the family, which was vast, understood what was going on and how and what the expectations were in terms of what this conversation would look like moving forward as a family. And I was just blown away. But I got to tell you, he started getting choked up, but he came to me and he said, you know, my wife and I just 
want to thank you because knowing you, we are better parents and we were able to now know that she's going to be okay. And I was just, we both just, the both waterworks came on. We cried together. I mean, and I've had just such privilege really to be part of these stories, you know, to be invited in these conversations that I may not have otherwise been invited into had I not been visibly doing this work um, outside of the, the company, inside of the company, and really just, so there's really no need for me to kind of announce who I am. It's just who I am, right? Yeah. Um, so, but I, I've got to tell you, it just feels like such a privilege and such an honor. Um, and, and it does happen fairly regularly in terms of whether people are connecting with me to a different aspect of my diversity um, or, or different aspect of my experience. So, well, it's so powerful when you also consider, um, and it's it's important not to take this for granted. Just how much um, sort of growth and power each of you possess by virtue of your roles, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, being out and affirmed in senior leadership is an incredibly empowering thing for folks. Was it, and I think even if, you know, we're not just talking about people who are having that experience themselves, but um, as a statement of the organization's values and, and principles of acceptance and inclusion too, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's um, one of those things that, you know, we, I think when you are sitting in that seat, right? When you are the one occupying that seat, I think it's easy to take for granted what that means to everybody who's watching you, but it is an incredibly powerful thing. As you're sort of reflecting on your own leadership, are there any in your minds like downsides to that visibility or that power that you're occupying? And if we have like a real talk moment, do you ever, does the pressure ever feel like a little too much? Oh my gosh, it's excruciating, isn't it though? I mean, I don't know if that's just because of the role or because I'm a gigantic introvert in an extrovert's world or (laughs) what the deal is. Yeah. But the visibility, I know in my brain that it is so necessary and I will not stop doing it, but I relish the opportunity. This is, this is suspiciously specific, but winter comes around and all I want to do is put on a beanie and a hoodie so that I can move through the world and not, it's Tucson, right? This is a small town. You cannot go anywhere without running into somebody, you know, but I can hide in the winter. And I have these moments where it's like, it's almost like I'm constantly in a vulnerability hangover. And all I want to do is go find a cave that has like an endless fountain of mac and cheese. And I can't find that. And so I wait for winter (laughs) when I can put on a hoodie and a beanie and physically hide, but still operate out in the city. I don't know how to make that better and less hard. I would love to hear if anybody has advice on how they handle that. Hiking. (laughs) Hiking. A lot of alone time, frankly, for me. But, you know, I... Vera, I, I can completely relate, you know, just hearing you you talk about that kind of internal struggle, really, right? Like, you know, this is what needs to happen. You know that this is important enough and it's you're doing it, you know, because you see the greater result. And I think it goes with any of our volunteer work that we do in this space in particular, because we're living it 24-7. And then even when we walk into, say, a board meeting for a nonprofit, to talk about the challenges in the community or talk about the opportunities moreover in the community. Um, you leave that, that board meeting with all of that on your mind and then you continue to live that identity. So it's you, you can't separate 
them, right? And and so you do need to find, you know, we all, you know, uh, need to, to find that space and we all do it in different ways to disconnect from it. And I can even tell you through this transition over these 20 years of this culture, the conversations that I have welcomed have also been, as we talked about before, with people that maybe had different points of view on the topic, completely different points of view, not like just slightly, like completely, right? And so you stand in the face of that. And I have my hat on as the, the trying to carry forward this, the values of our differences, making us stronger as an organization. And I listen to that and I invite that conversation. And then I have to find a place to put it at the end of the day, because I have to try to build a little bit of a barrier around my, my heart in these moments and not get judgmental, right. And try to stay open and curious to the conversation. And then maybe I go hit a round of, uh, you know, a bucket of balls with Anne to blow off some steam or something, you know, like I have to, because it's heavy. Some of those days at the end of the day, I am spent beyond spent Mm. and it's emotional spending. And uh, so really just trying to, to, to reframe it in my head and then pick up and, and carry on and understand that maybe we're not as far along in the journey as I thought, but that just tells me that we have great opportunity and, and progress yet to make. And so, you know, pick up and keep going. Yeah. It's hard though. It is really hard. It, it is. I appreciate what you said about I'm having, like I'm having my own experience, right? Um, DEI work in general, and I, I do DEI work for the company across the board. It's the hardest work. It's the work that I've wanted to say, maybe I don't want to do it because it's so personally taxing. People get to have their different viewpoints in, in diversity, equity, inclusion, you don't have to always agree. That's the whole point of diversity is like different viewpoints and values. And yet at the same time, focusing more on the impact of what you're saying and, and holding people accountable, people coming to me and saying this happened or the disappointments that come with it in people that, you know, you'll highly regard. And then someone will say, so this is what's going really going on. And this is what they're really saying. Mm-hmm. And it's in conflict with who you thought that they were, that's hard to hold um, and then continue the next day. And and that's not my conversation to have, but this misalignment Mm -hmm. that doing this work, you uncover that, well, I thought you said you were this, but this, this impact and this behavior, I don't know that I think that that's true. Yeah. Um, And so being the one that looks behind the veil and all of those things all the time, and then I'm having my own experience of what the you know what I mean? But then at the same time, it's like, I have to like put that aside because that's not what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing the, I'm doing the work, um, but that's constantly flying and it is really, really hard as a leader. And I think for me, I'm not here to be the police of diversity, equity, inclusion. And yet everyone wants you to be the police because okay. now you've kind of, you're wearing this yeah. hat that you're pushing the agenda and it's like, push that, push that. And I'm like, yeah, not right now. Um, and it's more about how is that impacting you? How are you going to manage and deal with it? How are we going to move this together? Yeah. And that's not, people want to be seen and heard and valued and they don't get it. And and then to turn around and you have leaders and organizations that say, I see you, I hear you and I value you. And we're all going, that's great on paper. Mm-hmm. I've not run into an organization where there's complete and total alignment right. all the way through the matrix. And so you know, how do you, if you say you're doing it, you're not, that then you're just a blind spots. So doing this work and being in, sometimes being in this position, I'm seeing all those blind spots and, and people are showing them, or there's a group of us that are looking at it all the time. I would say the one thing that is 
been a blessing um, and something that I value so deeply is the three or four people that do this with me consistently. We do it as a team. And there will be a moment where we'll have people that we'll engage with and literally you, you'll hang, you'll click the end of the Zoom call or you hang up the phone and you'll be sitting there with your head in your hands. Mm -hmm. And then like Cynthia will call me and be like, so did you catch that? And it's like, okay, mm -hmm. right? It's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm right. I'm hearing it. I heard it right. Now I have someone to process it with. I can't imagine people who do this work and don't have that. Yeah. So um, that's the hard part. And I do absolutely, my heart goes out to people that do this alone. Yeah. Yeah. No, Yvette, I think that is it right there. You nailed it. Um, I think about, um, you know, all of the mentors, all of the colleagues, all of the allies throughout my personal life, my career, my nonprofit work, that's Vera really where you know, it helps when you, when you talk about how do you do this work mm -hmm. on the daily, it's leaning on others and having those conversations and having that kind of shared experience to, to talk through and process. And it's so helpful, so important. And then of course, to, to not wallow and, and pick ourselves up, right. And even make action plans with people, right. Create yeah. a space for the action and the opportunity and that growth mindset, right. Mm -hmm. We can, and sometimes, you know, I mean, I know I I fall victim to this quite a bit of my own making, I shall say, is I think I can fix anything, right? That's that's why I'm in the business I'm in. I think I can can solve any problem. We could not just me, but this team and and you know, we this is what we do. And so sometimes I might try to strap everything on my back and haul it up the hill all by myself. And that's just not the way to success, right? In terms of um energetic success, uh, heart healthy success, right? It yeah. it is uh it's it goes to that. The, the proverb about, you know, being able to go much further together, right. Than going alone, you'll go faster alone, but you're going to go much further together. That's so true. And I think that, you know, Vera, what you were talking about was leading with your heart. I do have a quick, quick story that just happened. You know, we had a meeting and, and it was on kind of diversity and all the things, all the things with diversity. And one of the things we do is we do kind of have different places, share stories of things that happened. And I wanted this time people said, oh, we celebrated this and we did this. And I said, no, I want to share like a, I want someone to share a real story. Right. And so not that those aren't real stories, but something that was a little bit more like sticky. And there was a situation that happened. I'm not going to say where, but there was a situation that happened and it was not that great. And the reason why I wanted to share this story was the way that our organization responded. So it was done to us, right? It was done to a group of kids by and staff by another, another, or, you know, company. And it wasn't right. And the way that our organization responded is what I wanted them to share. Because the thing was, we wouldn't have done it three years ago. We wouldn't have responded that way. It'd have been like, oh, they probably didn't mean it. Or I'm sure that it was just a misunderstanding. But it was like, let's jump into action. Let's figure out what happened. I mean, we had, I mean, it was top to bottom, amazing kind of cascading experience. So they were relaying one of the, my colleagues who had a really tough time with this and was kind of leading the, his team through it. I said, I want you to share this in this conference that we were doing. And he did and opened it up for comments. And our CEO was there and there's a hundred people in this space. And as he's making a comment back to this employee, he starts to choke up. And I mean, choke up to the point that he can't speak, choke mm -hmm. up to the point that there's tears running down his face. And there's a hundred people in there and he's can't speak. He's crying. And he says, I'm sorry. And he had to gather himself. And then he said a couple of words that probably the most that he could get out. And then that was it. And I text him afterwards. And I said, that was your most powerful leadership moment. Mm -hmm. You did not have to say anything. 
You, that, you, everything that you have put in policy, everything that's come out of your mouth, everything that we've said we're doing initiative aligned in those tiers, that moment. That was your most powerful leadership moment. There were no words that needed to be happening. He would just said, thank you. And I'm sure he felt very vulnerable. Yeah. Like, I can't believe I just cried in front of. <laughs> yeah. And these are not leaders. These are just people all over, like just a mix up of employees. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, but every employee right now is talking about that. Yeah. And they're sharing that with five or 10 employees throughout this. So there's probably 500 to 1,000 people who are being told that story in a very positive way through their lens and their experience. And there's no way anyone took that negatively. That was your best DEI moment ever. So, it, you know, you don't have to say it. You just have to do it. And mm -hmm. it comes out in these very interesting ways. But that, Vera, goes back to where you started of leading with your heart. Like he didn't know what to say. His head was a mess. Right. It was just all a heart moment. So that's that's really, like I said, the best leadership moment that that I've seen, I think, um, most powerful. I wouldn't say the best, but the most powerful in this type of a space. So that's I think that's where we need to go. And everyone here is trying to do that in our own ways, whether it's speaking to people one on one or saying, I, I feel like we need to help these kids better. So I'm going to stand in front of these people and make myself vulnerable. But my heart's telling me to do it. Even my head's saying, turn around and go back. Yeah. Um, you know, save yourself. <laughs> but, but I think that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're going to keep crying. I don't think that these aren't close up because it's like, you all know, welly. I mean, I don't know where to go from there, except to maybe ask you, because I think that you really summarize like the heart of the conversation too. But if you were to say, give advice for folks during Pride Month and into the rest of their lives over the course of the year to um, really empower people in leadership and to see um, queer folks in their organizations. What, what advice would you give them? What would you ask them to do? You know, I think that one of the things that I would say is we all have something. Like we all bring something that we can share about who we are as a, a whole person. And I, I think it, I think that this concept of belonging. And I, you know, I just saw this powerful video where, and I'll share it with y'all, where it was all these different people sharing kind of all there's these different things that make them unique. And I think that if we are all able to share that, then we're inviting other people to share that. And that creates this, this great space that whether it's that you're trans or you're gay or you're, you know, gen whatever gender, whatever it is or you're, you're older, or you have a disability, you know, people are all trying to hide all of those things. If we create workspaces and living spaces and all kinds of spaces where all of that exists, then everyone's going to feel like they can share that. So I think as leaders and as people, it's being vulnerable, even if you're not a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, share a little bit about yourself and create that space where that's accepted and okay, and it, it will come out. I mean, it will it will invite itself. That's my opinion. Then I also think that I'm very big on visual representation. Representation matters, whether it's me or Cynthia or you all, you know, as we do it, then someone else is going to, well, they did it and it was okay. And I think, because you got to know everyone's watching all the time, mm -hmm. all the time, how you respond, how you, your body language and everything. And as soon as you hear that moment, it's like, be mindful that everyone is watching and listening and that encourages the next thing. So I think that big thing for me is visual representation as much as we can create it as a business, making sure that we have images of, you know, two women adopting 
right? Or two men, or, you know, like we are very intentional about that. And we'll have people that will walk through, you would never even on the boat love that poster. And that's all they'll say. Yeah, with that great power comes great responsibility, right? I mean, just um, making sure that we are creating that space of belonging and truly recognizing and embracing those differences in the way that you just beautifully described in that last story, Yvette, mm. just being able to call out that this this is different today than it was before. Yeah. Yeah. And just and just uh having that capability to look around the room in the meeting and notice the person maybe who's not speaking up, maybe you whether you talk to them in the meeting or maybe you pull them aside later or you shoot them a note afterwards and check in on them. There's little things you can do to really help invite um and and help invite those uh, perspectives and help people just to be seen. I feel like I put my, my gamer hat on here because I, you know, you, you kind of have to know who you're talking to and, and the folks who, I don't know, I don't need to give advice to the people who already get it. They're doing the work. So my brain immediately goes to the people who don't get it. They don't, they aren't necessarily on board with this because it's the right side of history and the right thing to do. They need to be convinced. They need to be told why it matters. And I think, you know, it just, it takes me back again, Yvette, to what you were saying. Like, you never know who's in the room that moment with your CEO. You never know. Surely from a business standpoint, you don't know necessarily if your employees, you know, identify in a particular way or if they have close family members or if that's not enough to do it for you because your heart just is not present in business and you're all brain, then think about the incoming workforce. Mm -hmm. And it really is like, fine. If you don't think it's the right thing to do, I'm not going to convince you. Otherwise that kind of advocacy happens over time anyway, right? You just got to plant the seed and hope it grows and keep watering it and cross your fingers that it's the right circumstances to turn into a tree or whatever. But until you get there in your heart, get there because it's good business because do you really want to hamper your customer base and your workforce by being exclusive in that way? You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's terrible decision-making really bad strategy. Y'all. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, so true. It just, um, the underlying theme, you know, in all of your comments is this making space, you know, creating space as an organization to receive people. And I think that requires a lot of humility, um, a lot of decentering yourself as a leader in a lot of ways, and, you know, being willing to learn and listen, listen, and then learn mm -hmm. usually what starts and then learning. But I think one of the things that I think about a lot is we're, you know, in the position as an organization to be thinking about things like benefits and all the different ways that we make people feel seen in an organization like through policy is, is really that as you're spending time thinking about the perspectives of all of these different folks that you're giving space to, or that you want to bring into your space to make sure that those, that they're reflected in your decision-making all the time, because there are so many ways that we signal our acceptance or our lack of acceptance to folks and and in many ways that we can't even realize and being receptive to learning to to do better and be better is i think the the real the real thing i just again i feel so grateful and lucky to have you all in my orbit personally but also as professionals you know it's um incredible to have such powerful touchstones in my life and i admire you all so much i really do and so thank you so much for joining today i'm hoping the folks who are listening feel the same way and they're going to be oh i know they will feel the same way but i'm sure that they'll get a lot from this conversation so thank you 
Well, thanks for bringing us to have it. I think it's an important conversation to have and it's going to evolve. Yeah. It's going to continue to evolve and change like we all do. So thanks for having it. Yeah. Thank you, Anne. Yeah. yeah. And happy pride. Yeah. Happy pride. Yeah, happy pride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening to our Pride in Leadership podcast. This is Anne Doherty again for Current, an energy podcast with Alum Advising. Our session was produced by Alum's production team. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you got a lot from this conversation. We would love to hear your feedback and we'll talk to you next time.